want you to look at me. I, I want you to look at me. I know it's not much to look at, right? I, I, I understand. It's an old bald man who is actually, you know, young in thought, young in mind, strong in spirit and all that kind of stuff. But just take a good look at me. All right. See, I embody the American spirit. That's right. I do. You get knocked down, you get back up. You keep fighting. You keep being honest. You keep doing things the right way. You know who else embodies the American spirit? No, not Anheuser-Busch. They embody the Belgium spirit. Are you kidding me by having a fraud named Dylan Mulvaney do their dirty work or be their front person? Frauds, frauds everywhere. Everywhere, ladies and gentlemen, but not here. Not on our YouTube chat and not with the Memphis Grizzlies. That's right. The Memphis Grizzlies last night showed the American spirit. John Morant, look at this clown on the sideline. He's got all his little hair. He's got a hat on. He looks like he's ready for an AAU pickup game. And I can say that. I'll tell you why I can say that. Because yesterday they showed uh, Nikolai Jokic coming to work for the Denver Broncos or the Denver whatever they are, the Nuggets. And he was in a suit, a nice suit. And Chuck and Kenny and Shaq and Ernie all said, now that's the way you come to work. That's the way you come to work. You don't come to work like Jama frickin' rant. And oh, wait a second. John's got a sore hand. Hey, that kid Barron in hockey played with 75 stitches in his face. And he came back in the second period. But John's got a sore hand. He worked out. And then he put his little hat on, had his little gold and purple and orange hair and his little hoodie and sat around like a jackass. But you know who didn't sit around like a jackass? The Memphis Grizzlies. They showed the American spirit. That's right. The American spirit of going out there, next man up. Let's go get a win over the king. And then you know what they did? I'll tell you what they did. Dylan Brooks, who Brian Windhorst hysterically, hysterically called Diet Draymond, talked afterwards. Let's hear what this clown, who came dressed for like a 70s polka dance, Let's see what this, or actually now, more like, I don't even know what he came dressed as, but something in the 70s. Came dressed as a clown to work, but let's see what Dylan Brooks has to say about LeBron James. Uh, you know, and then they started making a run. There are some people, the Lakers are making that run, they get it to 14, you and LeBron have that exchange. There are people out there that say, hey, maybe you shouldn't do that with one of the better players in the game. What, I guess, what, what were you thinking? I don't care, he's old. You know what I mean? I was, I was waiting for that. I was expecting him to do that game four, game five. He wanted to say something when I got my fourth foul. Um, he shouldn't have said that earlier on. Um, but, you know, I poke bears. Um, I don't respect no one until they come and give me 40. Um, so um, I pride myself on, you know, what I do is defense and taking on any challenge that's on the board. Yeah, he's old. Well, he's old, and you're scared to death to play against him. Dylan Brooks is a pimple on LeBron James's backside. I mean, let's be honest. LeBron James, as Windhorse famously said this morning, has been dealing with this since, like, 2000. And uh, a guy that had an ATM in his house named Deshaun Stevenson, 
for Utah, who, by the way, Stevenson got found like wandering the streets, all kind of different hammered uh, after he was part of a championship team. And then, of course, the other Stevenson, the clown that was Lance Stevenson, blowing in his ear. So now there's just another pimple on his backside, and this name is Dylan Brooks. And you got to like what Dylan Brooks did. You got to like the fact that they, for one night, did show the American spirit because their star had a bad hand. Yeah, he did. He had a bad hand. I mean, you can't play with a bad hand. Oh, my God, I got a bad hand. I tried to warm up, and it just hurt so much. Hockey players have 75 stitches in their face, you frauds. Ah! But anyway, LeBron James goes down. Jaron Jackson, or whatever his name is, Jaron Jackson Jr. becomes the defensive player. I really like the kid. I like his dad. I think they're good people. They're from over here in Indianapolis. They're from uh, Park Tudor for a while, and he transferred. But look, Tyrus Jones played well, and you got to give it up for him without, oh, my God, I hurt my hand. Oh, oh, man. Hockey players, 75 stitches. Let me out there. I hurt my hand. I'm John Morant. I'm going to put my little hat on crooked, and I'm going to wear my hoodie on the bench and look like I'm getting ready for the Oakland Soldiers against the Indiana Elite in an AAU game. Actually, I coached with the Indiana Elite. We wouldn't even dress like that with the Indiana Elite. We had a little more respect. But John Morant looked like a clown yesterday, and the clown show of John Morant continues. His team won by double digits without him. They were never seriously threatened. And we move along. My favorite NBA player in the playoffs is Jamal Murray. Jamal Murray plays for the Nuggets. Jamal Murray is coming off of, think about this, he's coming off ACL surgery. He is. Jamal Murray made a move a couple years ago that was a 360 in the air. He didn't mean to, and then all of a sudden he just did. Jamal Murray's great. Another Kentucky guy. It makes you wonder. I'm a big Calipari fan. But can Cal coach blind turkeys and take a dump? I mean, you look at all these guys that Cal has. I mean, here's Murray, Monk, Fox. Now, the one guy that crapped the bed is Cat, Carl Anthony Towns. He scored like 25 points in the series for the Timberwolves. He's been awful. But, man, these Kentucky dudes, I got to tell you, they're rocking and rolling. They're shaking and baking. They're getting it done. And last night was no different. I want you to listen to this. Jamal Murray has not one, not two, not three, not four, but five, count them, five NBA playoff 40-point games. In the regular season, Jamal Murray has a total of four NBA 40-point games, which means he has more playoff 40-point games than he has regular season 40-point games. That's pretty cool. I mean, when you look at it, you say, all right, who's a gamer? Who shows up in the big moments? Well, you got to say that Jamal Murray shows up in the big moments. Cat baby. I know, I know, I know Carl Anthony Towns has a lot of different, I get all that, but at some point, don't you got to be balling? Don't you got to be out there playing? Don't you got to be out there rocking and rolling? I mean, you're the man, you're the franchise. Anthony Edwards dropped 40, one of the few times ever that, uh, that a guy scored 40 for both teams in the playoffs. And of course, Anthony Edwards, at 21 years, 263 days, became the youngest player ever to score 40 in a playoff game, and I'm surprised there isn't anything racial in there, too. Became the first African-American from Georgia to score the 40 points in a I mean, the stupid stats, I could care less. I could care less. 
And Jacob G., you're right. I've got the post-Vegas exhaustion, cold, everything. I took a nap for two and a half hours yesterday. The YouTube chat is already pumping. I respect it. Let's get going today. But anyway, so Giannis is hurt too. Giannis has a bruised back. Giannis is jumping up and down like a damn cheerleader on the sideline, but Giannis is hurt. Hey, have I said it? Maybe I, I think I did. I got to look around. Lula, did I say? Yeah, I did say it. A hockey player named Barron played with 75 stitches in his face. Go look up a guy named Gerald Henderson, senior, not junior, senior. He played with a neck brace on. Oh, Giannis has a bad back. He fell down. Giannis fell down. He can't play. Okay, Giannis, you fall down. You fall down, go boom. That's what my mom used to say. Oh, you fall down, go boom, huh? Oh, so sorry. Get up. Damn right. Damn right. Long story short, I don't want to hear it. A hockey player played with 75 stitches in his face. Have I said that already? Sean Black knows. Everybody knows. That's the world that we live in. Anyway, so Giannis goes out. Pat Connaughton plays. And we talked about Pat Connaughton with Mike Bray. Congrats. By all accounts, Mike Bray has joined the Atlanta Hawks staff. He could have told us that on the show. I mean, we let him on Monday. But, hey, he wanted to keep it close to the vest. All right. But respect the show. Anyway, so Giannis is out. And what does Milwaukee do? Well, they go drop 25 threes. They make 25 threes in a game. I'm sure that's happened before, but I got to tell you, I'm not sure I've seen that before. 25 threes. Son of a biscuit maker. That's six threes a quarter. Man, that's pretty good. No, that's really, 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 really good. Back to LeBron James being old and Dylan Brooks. You know what? For a guy that's old, Dylan Brooks is sure paying a lot of attention to him. You can say a lot of things about LeBron James, and we have, but I don't know that I want to poke that bear, particularly given that history in the playoffs against Draymond, Diet Draymond. Hey, did you see this? I'm jumping around here just for a minute. Hockey got a little interesting last night. Now, everybody says it's the greatest sport ever, man. Hockey playoffs. Nobody plays sports like hockey playoffs. And I watch, and it's like three minutes in, and I'm bored. I know I'm not supposed to be bored. I know it's the greatest tournament in the world, man. If you win the Stanley Cup, it's the greatest trophy ever, man. And I agree with that. I've been, I've had beers out of the Stanley Cup at Carmine's in Chicago, under renovation, by the way. So if you're looking for Carmine's or Tavern on Rush, right there in the Viagra Triangle, uh, both of them are shut down. I was disappointed because I like going to Carmine's, where I relive the glory days of me and my buddy Gary Winger following, I think it was a New Jersey Devils trainer, into Carmine's private party and drinking out of the Stanley Cup. It was special. I don't think we were supposed to, but what are you going to do? Anyway, so Lord Stanley's Cup is the greatest of all the cups. It's the cup of cups. It's the thing. Your face is always inscribed, your, your name. It's this high. You know, they keep adding to it. It's a great cup. Of all the cups, it's fantastic. So 
But hockey playoffs can be a little dull, but I got to tell you, the Boston Bruins had the best regular season in the history of the NFL. Did you know this with 63 wins? Did you know that's the all-time record? Did you know that the Boston Bruins did that? Well, if you didn't, you know now. And the Boston Bruins are playing the Florida Panthers. And the Florida Panthers, hey, look, they're no joke. Florida Panthers historically have been pretty good. And I've got a friend, Brendan King, who is the announcer for the uh, Class A Cubs in South Bend, who for some reason is a big Florida Panthers fan. I got a text last night. You watching this? Turns out I wasn't. Turned out I should have. Florida beat the Bruins. And next thing you know, ladies and gentlemen, we got a series one-to-one. Now, I would bet the farm that the Bruins win. But, hey, if we're going to talk about hockey, let's at least talk one time. Jack Brewer is coming on, former NFL player. Uh, Look, I I know this would be a racist thing, but I was reading today. Did you know 57.6% of African-American families are fatherless, 31.2 Hispanic, 20.7 white, and we're seeing the results of it. You know we are. I mean, you think those teenagers running around like complete idiots all over the city of Chicago have fathers at home that would whoop their backside to put the fear of God into their kids? No, of course not. Of course not. And we never see anything like it. And you know what? Jack Brewer and I are going to discuss the importance of fathers because, frankly, I think fathers are uber important. So you can call racist. You can call whatever you'd like. You know, Obama said it. Everybody thought it was great. Dungy said it because he's a conservative. Everybody said he was racist and pandering and Uncle Tom and everything else. Uh, if I say it, I can only imagine. Yesterday, we created a hellabaloo. A hellabaloo? Yes, a hellabaloo by saying, hey, screw paternity leave. And people took that to mean you're not supposed to care for your kid. People are morons. All I said was, hey, look. Take the day, welcome your kid, get home with the kid, spend the day with the kid, then go to work. Pete Buttigieg didn't need eight weeks of paternity leave. I had some ladies say, well, you know, the father-infant relationship is important. Yeah, well, I'm not saying leave, leave the family. I'm not saying run off to the circus or run off with the next-door neighbor lady, Greg Doyle style. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just simply saying, hey. Paternity leave eight weeks? I've seen it abused. I have. I can give you examples, but it would embarrass people that I know, and I don't want to do it. So I don't want to hear about it. No, I don't want to hear about it. I don't want to hear about it even a little bit. No. By the way, before I go any farther, the Cubs are good. The Cubs are good. Don't at me about this, people. I'm watching the Cubs play arguably against the worst team in the history of baseball, the Oakland A's. And by the way, the Oakland A's have bought the land off the strip. This has been a deal going on, and I believe we're talking about 2027. There may be Oakland A's baseball in Las Vegas. A dome will be built, and a dome is what you need because it's hot as Hades in Vegas. That's not great news for Nashville. I want a major league team in Nashville because now I have friends in Nashville, and I want them to be happy. But the Oakland A's moving to Vegas is a heck of a deal. They should move to Vegas. Should they not? Of course they should. What, are you crazy? But anyway, back to the Cubs. I was talking to Tucker Barnhart, and we're going to get Tucker, the catcher for the Cubs, on here uh, next week probably if they're home. They play the Dodgers today. But anyway, I was talking to Tucker early in the season, and he's like, Dan, I'm telling you, we got some guys that just want to win. Hosmer and Wisdom, these guys just want to win. Marcus Stroman has changed. He just wants to win, man. I don't know if he's changed. He said he's just, he's a guy that's just dying to win. 
you know, uh, Dansby Swanson or Swanson Dansby, I don't know what the hell his name is, just wants to win. They got some dudes on that team that don't give a rat's. They're just veterans, and the Cubs are good. The Cubs won 12-2 yesterday. They're 11-6, and off to a good start. And as I said the other day when I wore my Mark Grace shirt, hey, look, they went out to L.A. and beat the Dodgers in a series first time since 14. That's right. I said it. First time since 14, 2014, not 1914, although it seems like the Cubs never go out west and beat anybody. But anyway... Don't at me about the Cubs, and if you're going to pay attention to my particular show, you're going to hear about the Cubs, because there are really only three teams that I like, or really, really, really root for. Harvard softball, Illinois State basketball, the Chicago Cubs. Everyone else, eh. What about the Colts? Eh. What about the Pacers? What about IU? Eh, eh. I'm good with whatever. But those are the only teams. If you, the Cubs are lifetime. Indiana was a job, but the Cubs are when I was a kid. Are you kidding me? 1969, before most of your parents were even born. I'm sitting at opening day with my dad. I'm like six. An apple gets dropped on his toe, shatters his toe. Speaking of that, my wife has a broken toe from a hamburger. True story. I'll tell you at the end of the show. It's a true story. It's broken. She just went to the doctor today from a hamburger. Yes, a hamburger. Hamburger, meat. Broke her toe. Yes. That should have been a what the hell Wednesday. But anyway, uh, the Cubbies, ladies and gentlemen, are better than you think. They're better than most think. They're better than everybody except the Cubs think. So don't at me when they're in the playoffs. Don't at me when I talk too much about them because I can't stop talking about the Cubs because they're fun to watch. Yesterday, after the show, I did another show with my boy Kent Sterling. Two big brains. It's just local. It's just about a half hour. We do it a couple times a week. You can go over there and subscribe. Would appreciate it if you did. Two big brains. But anyway, after that, I took the dog for a two-mile walk. I mowed the grass. I raked a bunch of stuff, planted some seeds, trying to grow more grass. By about 3 o'clock, I was whooped. 2.30, whatever. Made myself a sando sat down in my chair, and next thing you know, I turned the Cubs on, and they're winning 12 to 2, and I'm taking a nap. It felt like a Sunday yesterday. And you're right, the post-Vegas drip has got me, but I don't care. It was fun to watch the Cubs whoop up on somebody on the road. And I got to tell you, I've watched two baseball games basically, not in the entirety, but basically the entirety, and I saw the two worst baseball teams I think I've ever seen in terms of catching the ball and throwing the ball. One I talked about was the Texas Rangers a couple weeks ago when I went to the game in Wrigley, and the other was yesterday. First baseman comes in, play at the plate. He two hops it. He comes in going to his right, and he's, all he's got to do is catch it, fire it home, two hopper to home plate from first base. And the first baseman was bigger than me. I'm just saying. I do got to talk about DD. How do you feel about a lady cheating in her 50 mile ultra marathon by riding in a car for a few miles? I, I, that sucks. I saw that story. You know, Rosie Ruiz is a name that people know from cheating. I think the New York or Boston marathon, probably the Boston marathon. But if you're going to run a marathon, why would you even think about cheating? Don't do it. 
Like, there are a couple of groups that I think are above reproach. Fishermen. Look, fishermen are pretty much the most honest dudes there is. Golfers. If you're a serious golfer, the last thing you're going to do is cheat. And runners. Runners are like a community. Like when you see runners running in packs in your town or on your streets on a Saturday or Sunday morning, that's like a community. It's like a club. I didn't know this until I got divorced and I started dating a young lady, a lawyer, who was one of those people. I'm like, what are you doing? She goes, oh, our runner's club is running. You want to join? I go, are you insane? Go, it's Saturday morning. But those folks that I just mentioned should be above reproach. But a lady gets in her freaking car and goes a few miles. I'm just saying. That's, that's like a golfer cheating. That's like a golfer looking around, touching up his line. That's like a golfer bumping it from out of bounds to inbounds. The other day I was golfing. It was a couple weeks, yeah, it was a couple Fridays ago. And my brother and I are playing a match, playing for a little bit of money against two guys that we know pretty good. Anyway, I hit a second shot. The hole is called Big Dick. It used to be number six at Gary Country Club, those of you that know. So anyway, it's the longest hole in the world. I mean, I think I've parred it once in my life. There's tree, it's just a mother. Anyway, second shot, I kind of hook and there's houses, and it looks like it's out of bounds. So I hit a provision. But when I go over there, I realize it's in bounds by about this much. And I call my, my, one of my opponents. I go, hey, JB, come on over here. I just want you to be sure. Because everybody thought I was out of bounds. I go, I just want you to be sure. I, you know, I don't, last thing in the world I want anybody doing is thinking that I'm even thought of cheating on the golf course. So he goes, no, nah, you're good. He goes, why'd you call me over? I go, I just want everybody comfortable. I don't want anybody questioning. I don't want anybody thinking. I don't, because the ball did look like it was out of bounds. So golfers don't cheat. Runners shouldn't cheat. And fishermen shouldn't cheat, but what have we seen? Remember we saw the fishermen put the plugs in the ass of the fish? The weights to win money? Now they're going to jail. This lady should go to jail. True story. Bunch of years ago. Bunch of years ago. You know the name, uh, what's Montross's first name? I forget. Whatever Montross's first name, the kid that played at North Carolina. All right? His dad. Scott. I don't know why I know Scott's name, but I don't know Big Montrose's name. Anyway, sued a guy and won because he cheated in a golf outing where people were making a ton of jack. The golf outing was one of those Calcuttas where there's $50,000, $100,000 in the pot and some dude was cheating. Montrose's dad said, wait a second, that ain't right. It was over here at Crooked Stick. You don't cheat. You do anything but cheat. And if you even think about cheating, you shouldn't play golf. Eric Montrose, thank you, Eric. God, I've known the kid since he was in eighth grade and I had a brain fart. But anyway, if you are going to cheat, then you shouldn't play or play with other cheats. That's the way to go about it. Jack Brewer, I said I was having him on. I put it out on Twitter. And a friend of mine that I'm not going to mention his name because he is one of my sources inside the NFL. He's a general manager. 
said, Jack Brewer, really good player, scouted him. Jack Brewer, really good guy, been following him on Twitter. Uh, Jack Brewer, good to go. Jack, uh, thanks for the time. I'm going to get right to it. You know, Obama years ago said fatherless families are a problem, and he gave statistics. He was praised. Tony Dungy, uh, about a year ago, came on our show after he had been crushed. Tony's a friend. After he had been crushed for saying the same thing about Obama, you've been very outspoken. I've been very outspoken because the numbers tell you fatherless families don't get it done for their kids. Not at all, man. It's a, it, it's a very, very harsh reality that this nation is living with now, man, when you look out uh, and you see the most hard-hit kids don't have dads in their homes, man, and then you see the results of it. Um, but people want to pacify these children. Um, they don't want to stand for uh, obedience anymore. Discipline is being pulled out of every part of our society now. Uh, and it's, it really is sad. And, you know, for me as a former pro football player, uh, you know, it's really sad when I start to see that breakdown in the sports uh, where you actually start seeing so many athletes take this this new soft, woke mentality towards everything versus the disciplinary approach that we all took to get where we are today. Uh, and so I, I don't know, man, I just, you know, it's disappointing every time I go in and walk into a juvenile facility or prison uh, or go help the kids that we work with, man, the reality that no matter what I tell them today, they're going to go home and they're not going to have that father. They're not going to have that disciplinary environment. So it's like we're starting over from scratch every day. You know, Jack, one of the things that I've talked about, and I'm curious your thoughts on this. You mentioned discipline, you know. Um, teachers, my parents were teachers. Gary, Indiana. My dad was a principal at Gary uh, uh, Public School. I guess not a Gary Public School, public school in Gary. My mother, a school teacher, and there was real discipline. You had real opportunity, real discipline. There was a teach of, of respect. Where do you think we flipped the switch? Like, when did it happen that teachers now, their hands are tied, teachers are being assaulted in classroom? When did all this shift? You know, back, I remember back in like 86, um, I think I was in the first grade. And I remember they, it was like the whole school was like, hey, they're going to take the paddle out. And at six years old, I remember them thinking to myself, oh, man, they, we can't get paddled anymore in school. And so the second that they did that, you know, and then simultaneously they stripped, you know, any mention of God from anything that started to break down a generation. Um, I didn't really feel it as much in my generation because, you know, I grew up in a time where you still get smacked upside the head uh, if you did something stupid. Uh, you know, you were more afraid of the police department calling your, your dad or your mom than you were uh, going to jail. And so. I think when we started to remove that that fear of God, that, that that fear of discipline, and people run from the word fear. Oh, you shouldn't fear God. Oh, you shouldn't you shouldn't fear your parents. Yes, you should. That fear is is based in love because that means that you respect them. And so when you remove that respect, and that's what Obama was saying, that's what Dungey was saying. But now it's like only certain men are willing to continue. Um, to talk about that, you'll never hear Obama make a speech like that again. And that's unfortunate. Right now is when we need him. The nation 
probably needs him more now than it ever has needed him, particularly as a as a, a man of color uh, that can go and speak into these kids as we see him harassing our streets in Chicago and Baltimore and all over the country. You know, we're seeing them younger and younger going to prison. I was in a prison yesterday um, in the panhandle of Florida, met a guy who's been in prison since he was 14 years old and he's over 55 now. Think about that, man. Like we got kids being locked up for the rest of their lives, but we have these politicians that have uh, been blessed with this ability to speak into these children and they're not doing it. And that goes for athletes, man. Why is it considered? Because I would argue that white kids without fathers get in trouble mm. and the numbers bear it out at a, at a far greater rate. Why is it considered racist? Is saying it's racist just an easy take? Yeah, of course it is, because it, it, it goes at the emotional fabric uh, of our nation right now. Right. We created a victim uh, culture where kids are told, man, you tell a kid from five, six, seven years old um, that, you know, this color of skin means this and that color of skin, uh, skin means this and that one, you know, is is superior over the other and one has been oppressed over time. You start getting that into a kid's psyche, you, society can use that for any excuse. I mean, I was listening to the transportation secretary the other day talking about the roads and streets are racist. I mean, this is, Think about that. You know, I remember growing up, the the, sec the the Secretary of Transportation for the U.S. government, that's a big deal. You look up to these people. And to hear him saying nonsense like that, imagine how that's going to continue to snowball uh, in the mentality of our kids. That's what we're creating right now. It's so easy. That means you, you don't have to be accountable no matter what job you're doing. Oh, man, I, I tried to do it, but it's racist. You know, it's like it's become uh, this, this stigma that... Uh, that, that really is manipulation when you look at it. It is manipulation. It, it, I think it's manipulation, and I think it's pandering when I see Buddha Judge do those things. No doubt. He's, he's pandering because, you know, and, and, and unfortunately the reality is the politics uh, right now on the left, and listen, the left and right has issues. I'm not here saying one, one, one is, is great and the other one is not, but I know one thing that, um, politicians on the left right now, uh, they have a safe haven. And their safe haven is race. If they talk about skin color, they can run into that box. So it doesn't matter the fact that, you know, our our, our airlines and our transportation sector and, and our and our imports and exports coming in and out of this country uh, is the worst that it's been, I know, in my lifetime. Uh, and so the, the job that you do doesn't matter anymore because you can just go straight to the race debate. Uh, instead of actually honing in on the root cause issues um, that are affecting the, the people of this nation. That's what's so sad, man. You're an NFL player, ex-player. You're an NFL ex-captain. How does that equate into sports? It, it equates into sports deeply. I mean, you see uh, the mentality of the, of the kids on the field. You know, I love sports. I, 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 played, I actually played three sports in college. I played a little baseball. Um, had a cup of coffee there, but I, I, I ran track, um, record holder in track, and I played football uh, in college. And during those times, man, it, it was a completely different reality. I, you know, kids were at the games. I don't even like my kids watching some of these athletes today um, just because of the things they say, 
the culture that they've created around them, the music that you hear, even when you go uh, to games and, and, and you and you listen to the words that are coming out of the mouths uh, of the people that are that are that are producing these songs. So the whole culture is embraced nothing um, but immorality and unrighteousness, man. You just don't you don't see enough purity uh, in sports anymore. And I think that uh, is a direct reflection uh, of our leaders of the politics that we're choosing, you know, whether we're talking about, you know, girls and boys and, and men playing against women and people advocating for that and recreating what righteousness means, re recreating what equality means and really going against everything that this nation was founded on. You know, the American dream for a lot of people has changed. Uh, and, and, and I think that that's where we're going to pay, a, uh, pay a, a really grim price uh, if we don't get back on track. How do you? How did you come about uh, being so vocal for Donald Trump? You know, uh, he he educated me, man. I was a big Obama supporter. I actually started the NFL players for Obama in two thousand eight, uh, and I advocated for him hard, man. And I I actually donated my my office. I was making a transition in, in Minnesota uh, to New York. I donated my office uh, to the campaign in two thousand seven. All the the, the equipment and everything else. I mean, I was a donor. I was involved. Uh, and as I started to watch politics after 2012 and 2014, and, and they started with this identity politics, you know, I didn't think he did enough in criminal justice reform with all the guys locked up in prison. You know, we have, you know, two and a half million people locked up in prison. And then, you know, when he started, you know, really attacking on, on the faith-based community, you know, redefining marriage, uh, starting this whole push, uh, towards this transgenderism and this new culture uh, that's confusing kids on the basic concept of of the gender they were born in. That was enough for me, man. I don't play that. I can't, you know, you start going against God like that. You know, I don't care what color you are. I don't care how well you speak. I don't care how motivational you are. Uh, I don't care how much people love you um, and, and are your fans. If you go against the word of God that strongly, um, I got to remove myself from you. And that's what happened with Obama, man. And, you know, it was a sad it was sad for me to watch because I had been such a strong supporter. But Donald Trump woke me up, man. He started to really show uh, what was going on in, in, in China. And I started to understand a lot of these politicians that were coming into office. You know, they're worth one hundred and fifty thousand, two hundred thousand. And all of a sudden they leave office. And they got three, four, five hundred million dollars. So I'm like, hold on. Like, I know Trump, you say what you want about Trump, but we know Trump the businessman, right? He buying buildings and building golf courses. Like, he's been running, you know, I know his kids now, so I see their infrastructure that they have. Like, this is a big company they run. How in the world do you make four hundred million dollars and you never had a family business? And so when I started, uh, you know, I gotta keep it real, man. When I started to see like, this was really what was happening in the political world. And that all of that came to me after Donald Trump. Uh, I, I had to support him, man, and, and try to try to get this country back on track. Somebody asked me, uh, Jack, why, why do politicians want to stay so long in those jobs? And I said, well, look at their bank accounts. So That's you got to right. look at the bank accounts, right? That's it, I man. Mean, damn. It's unbelievable. I mean, you know, it used to be I grew up in a time where you think, oh, man, this family is a dynasty. You know, this is the steel family. And, you know, and, and, and this family is in the agriculture. I mean, now it's just like, man, you just got to run for office. Right. And get one of your kids 
to figure out how to funnel the money and y'all are set. <laughs> That's exactly. Uh, hey, I know exactly. The Carnegies were the the steel yeah. people. You know, I mean, you're exactly. Yeah, the Rockefellers had all this. No, here. How lonely a place is it, um, or is the tide turning in the African American community? Um, are people starting to say, like Charles Barkley famously said, African Americans continue to vote Democrat and African Americans continue to be poor. Like nobody's yeah. really helping us. They're just buying our vote for a minute. Is the tide shifting? Where, where are we in the African American community? I think you're going to have a split. I think you're going to, I think you're going to see, continue to see massive growth, uh, toward more conservative principles. Um, you know, just with this craziness, right? I mean, you start telling enough black men, uh, that their sons can be girls. I mean, eventually that's going to, that's going to get to be enough is enough. You know, you start, you know, you start, you know, saying their roads are racist. I mean, you know, you're not going to be able to race bait me that far. You know, and I think so. I, I think particularly a lot of black males are going to continue to become more conservative. And you've seen a big I mean, we've we've doubled or almost tripled our number. When I say we, I, I consider myself more conservative now than I am liberal. And I think there's a lot of people like me. Um, I know that when I post things in the emails that I receive and even the quiet support, that's a lot of people in sports that, you know, you know, he's the guy that said Trump's the first black president. I mean, so people run run from me, but when they talk to me, they agree with me, but they just don't always right. be so vocal about that. So that silent majority, particularly in the black community, uh, really exists because, that man, at the end of the day, you know, skin color doesn't matter. I mean, most black people, you know, want to raise their kids. They want to build their families. We don't like turning on the TV and seeing, you know, our kids in the streets of Chicago tearing that city up, man. No black person likes seeing that. No black person likes seeing, you know, some of the cultural things that are happening every time you look. We got a new rapper with long hair and fingernails, you know, that's, that's pants are falling off their butt. Now our kids want to wear their hands off their butt. They're doing all these clown dances in the street. Like, I don't like seeing all that garbage. And, and I know a lot of African-Americans feel the same way, and particularly, particularly when, you know, African-American men get a little bit older. You know, you get in your 30s and 40s, like, you don't want to be around all of that that mess, man. And, and so my prayer uh, is that we really have a, a true awakening uh, across black America. You brought something up that was brought up to me by a friend of mine. And I didn't think about this. Uh, he said to me, it, 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 we were having lunch. Hey, he's an African-American guy. He goes, hey, Dan, he goes, you ever think about why you don't see very many black guys transgender? You ever think about this? I go, no, I, I didn't. No, he goes, he goes, we're not having that crap. He said exactly no. what you said. We'll go, we'll go so far, but we ain't doing that. That ain't coming in our place. It is exactly, yeah. and I didn't even think about that. And then I started looking around and I'm like, huh, he's right. Not very many. No, Why? that's where, the, because you crossed the line right there, man. It's like when you start talking about changing your sex organs, and telling kids that they can do that, that's gruesome stuff, man. I don't care what you believe, right? And now you're seeing so many of these babies that have been lied to all their lives, and then they get to be 17, 18, 19, 20 years old, and, and it's the biggest regret ever. It's like we don't let people make any decisions in, in the U.S. really until you're 18. You can't decide on anything. 
and, and, and all of a sudden now you're going to make it illegal for a parent to stop their kid from making a, a decision like that. That's sick, man. <laughs> I'm telling you, that is where you're going to cause real physical tension. Because I'm a man of God. I'm going to tell you right now, I'm a man of God. I pray. I'm in prayer. I'm in the spirit. But if you touch my kids or you teach that crap to my kids, I am going to have to really pray that I don't have a physical reaction if you allow my son or daughter to 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 mutilate themselves. That's crossing the line, man. Like that's just that's a line that you can't that you can't cross. The Bible tells us uh, to trade in. Jesus told told the disciples to trade in their cloak for a sword. And I think that's when black men in America are going to start uh, trading in their clothes for their swords uh, and defending and fighting back for our kids, man. You know, and how about if a teacher or somebody, whoever, kept it from you? Like, tried yeah. to encourage your son or daughter and then kept it from you. That would, make, that, that would be a physical reaction in my world. My wife... My mother-in-law, my, my we, it would be insane how crazy right. we would be if somebody actually did that to my child. No, no doubt, man. You, you, you know, at, at some point, enough is enough, man. As a, as a man and as a, as a breadwinner, as a, the head of the household, you know. And that's the thing, man. They've been lied to. There's so many. I know so many families, man, where you know, black, black families that have, have, uh, and this happens in all races. I just particularly know of, of black families. You know, where, you know, single moms, raising moms, and, and, the, and the kid starts being raised with this animosity, like, well, I don't need a dad. You know, I don't need a dad. Like, what are you talking about? Like, that doesn't, that that's the craziest thing that you ever hear when you start to really brainwash people to believe that having a single family is the best way. It's not the best way. Can it work? Yes. Can you overcome? Yes. You know, we, we serve a big God, you know, replace, Father God is already is with you no matter what. But you don't want the masses not to have two family households. You don't want the masses not to have dads. And most of the guys that I know, particularly ones that play in the NFL, yeah, you you didn't you didn't need a dad as much because you had a great coach that you could watch the way that they talk, walk, react. You had leaders. You didn't have any time to go in and get in too much trouble because you had practice all the time, meeting all the time. You had position coaches. You have you have all of these great men around you um, that are examples for you. I watch my coaches, not just uh, on the field, but I watch how they conducted their business, how, how, how they carried themselves. And so you replace your fathers. And like now we got kids running around the streets that, that don't even have a replacement for the dad they don't have in their home. That is our issue of today, man. Hey, hey Jack, uh, before I let you go, um, why the attack on kids and why the attack on women? Why? I'm, I ask every guest that has the guts to speak out, I ask them the same question because it's driving me crazy. The attack on children, sexualizing children, and the attack on women, we see it in sports now with women yeah. being marginalized. We see it in advertising with women being marginalized. Why? Can you explain it? Because there's no accountability anymore. You know, a decade or two ago, you would have been held accountable for even suggesting that a child mutilate themselves. You know, that was con considered criminal. And now you see even the United Nations just came out uh, and actually said that it's okay for a kid uh, to be able to consent to sex as a child. I'm talking about ch children. 
being able to consent to sex, no matter what your law says. And so now from an international law perspective, they're trying to break that and water that that basic protection down. Uh, And in women's sports, it's just it's sick. You know, they've gotten to the point now where um, they're talking out of both sides of their mouths. And so they can't they, they can't push for this whole transgender movement, but say, oh, wait a minute, you can't you can't play in sports because it goes against their narrative. Right. They're so concerned with their political points and their narrative and this new kind of kind of woke reality that they've created that that they're willing to play that fight against the sports world. And they don't think that they're going to to be able to, um, you know, suffer any 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 setbacks or losses because they don't feel that this force debate is bigger than the general debate on transgenderism. You see it just in the actions of, of, of the guy that came out and, and killed all those kids. And those people in the school, because he was transgender. Now, you haven't even heard them say a word about the family. You haven't brought the families to the White House. You haven't you, you haven't come in and really consoled those families because you're more uh, concerned about this transgender narrative than you are the actual actions uh, of the individuals that are suffering from this mental health illness. I pray for people, you know, that wake up and you, you know, you have testicles, but you think you're a girl. I mean, that's a mental illness. And we all know it. Jack, keep fighting the fight, man. It's great. Great talking to you. Thank you for being so honest. Yeah, God bless you, brother. Anytime, man. You too, Jack. Thanks. I hope you'll come back. It's Jack Brewer. Give him a follow on Twitter, man. I'm just telling you, the reaction is absolutely fantastic on YouTube and everywhere else because people just speak truth. You don't have to be a staunch liberal or a staunch conservative. You just have to have common sense. And you have to not be afraid to express that common sense. We'll be right back. Man, I'm fired up. Sack the hell up and don't go anywhere. Don't at me. We'll be right back after this. All right, it's Daniel J. Dockage here. You know, one of the things that I like is I believe this. When I go around, and maybe it's just me because people know me in Indy. They know where I'm from. They know what I stand for. They know who I am. I don't... As I go through my life, and I live in a city where there is a, I don't know, you go to the Kroger, it's half black, half white, I mean, third each, I don't know, Hispanic, whatever. It's a, I don't know if you're allowed to say melting pot, but it's a melting pot over here where I live. And it's a block away this way, block away that way, next door, all that kind of stuff. I don't really live. When I lived in Zionsville, it was mostly a white community. And one of the things that I like is that real life doesn't necessarily reflect, at least real life in Indy, doesn't necessarily reflect all the hate that you see. And I also think this, I think that when you saw Stephen A. Smith interview Clay Travis, I think that's a great thing. I think that Clay has always said he has a side or he has an opinion, but Clay's opinion doesn't override common sense and it doesn't override your thought. It doesn't override what you think. You are certainly entitled to your opinion. Now, be respectful about it. Don't be a jerk about it. Don't attack and just have a discussion. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is exactly what Clay and Stephen A. Smith did. Now, I'm not the biggest Stephen A. Smith fan. I'm not a hater. I'm pretty much ambivalent. Obviously, I like Clay a lot. Uh, But here's a little video on Stephen A. Smith responding to the criticism of him having Clay on. You know, I watched um, the reaction to my conversation with Clay Travis, obviously a successor to Rush Limbaugh on his radio show. You got a lot of people that 
you know, writing stories and, you know, alluding to problems because I sat down and had a conversation. These are the people who are a problem. I thoroughly enjoyed my conversation with Clay Travis. He has his opinions. I have mine. He expressed them cogently with clarity. You can agree or disagree. I have my opinions. That's what makes the world go round. That's what No Mercy's about. And that's what the hell is going to stay about. Let me be very, very clear. I talk to everybody. I don't agree with a lot of people or a lot of things that people say. I don't believe that's a reason to hate them any more than I want that to be a reason for them to hate me. Listen to what I have to say. If my points are valid, man up, woman up, and admit it. If it's still wrong and you believe that in your heart, then say so. We move on. Because that's what I'm going to do. That's exactly right. I mean, and that's exactly right. You don't like my opinion? Great. Now, don't attack people. Don't come at people from a standpoint of always being on their ass. But, I mean, what the heck? I mean, if you're going to go out there and you're going to have a show or you're going to have a platform, then what's wrong with listening to other opinions? People say, well, Dan, who, who, uh, anybody can come on my shows ever. Like people always say, well, you hang up on people that have opinions different than you when I had a show. And that's certainly not true. I hung up with people that were being stupid. I hung up with people that were being insulted. I love having a difference of opinion. I love when people fire back. I love sitting down and debating, not arguing, debating. And that's exactly what Stephen A. Smith and Clay Travis did. That's exactly what they did. And that's awesome. What? There's like 350 million people in this country and we're all supposed to think alike? I don't like paternity leave. You do. You know how many names I got called yesterday because I don't like paternity leave? You know how many, how, how much it got shifted to, well, you don't want to raise your kids. You don't want to shut up. I have an opinion on it. You don't like the opinion? God bless you. Good for you. But that was terrific. That was absolutely terrific by Clay and by Stephen A. No question about it. So you can get mad, glad, angry, or sad, but that's what it was. All right. Uh, Football, Tua Tungavailoa admitted yesterday he considered retiring. He should after last season, but instead has taken up jujitsu and learning how to fall. I will tell you this, if I'm Tua Tungavailoa, and I have another one of these nasty concussions, that might have to be it. And God bless him for trying to do something about it. The new helmet certainly may help. Taking up jujitsu, learning how to fall. There's one thing about learning how to fall, and there's another thing where a 295-pound angry lineman running full speed hits you in the chest. Now, if you can learn how to fall at that speed at that time, then God bless all of you. But I don't see it. He's little. He runs. He seems to not know how to fall. Hopefully he does, and hopefully it all works out. But if I were his family, I'd be like, hey, wait a second here. we got to figure this whole thing out. And if he does retire, boy, does that change a lot of things in Miami. But anyway, long story short, I hope he doesn't. I hope he's healthy, and I hope he's okay, and I hope he plays well because he seems like a great dude. But I wouldn't blame him for one second, not only for considering it, number two, for figuring it out, and number three, if he ultimately does retire from it. I mean, hey, look, we've all seen the effects CTE. CTE is real. It's not real when you're 28, but it certainly gets real real fast, it seems like. You don't need that crap in your life. I'm going to tell you something. You all can get mad at me, but I'll never understand this. Sexual assault on basketball teams among the players. 
Now, if you can, if you can't explain that to me, then I'll give you a damn cookie. New Mexico State. New Mexico State had all kinds of problems. Hazing and sexual assault lawsuits. They did this 100 years ago at Hobart High School uh, in northwest Indiana with broomsticks. They did it at Carmel High School uh, 10, 12 years ago with allegedly cell phones and things. In fact, one of the dads was a friend of mine. He wanted to come on and explain it. And when I asked, okay, what exactly happened? Well, horseplay. Okay, what was the horseplay? You know what I'm saying? But apparently, these clowns at New Mexico State, the clowns at New Mexico State decided, for whatever the reason, that it is a good idea to sexually assault one another in the locker room. Now, if you can explain to me how that is ever a good idea, then let me know. Please, God, let me know. New Mexico State basketball players were embarrassed, things stuck in their anus, things stuck in front of people, publicly. Not that that makes it any better or worse, but that's in the story. I'm telling you, Greg Heyer was the coach. Greg Heyer is a disciple of the dude that's at Mississippi State that everybody thinks is so awesome. All right, great, wonderful. But the truth of the matter is these guys, these guys that came in from Pensacola or whatever junior college it was, and they're a mess. They're an absolute mess, these guys. You're talking about, for whatever the reason, I've never understood this. I mean, I remember when it happened at Carmel. I remember when it happened at Hobart High School. I'm like, what in the hell are you doing? What's the attraction of sticking your finger or a cell phone or a broomstick up another guy's rear end? Will somebody please explain that to me? Like, I got to tell you, if that happened to me or my son, I would absolutely lose my ever-loving freaking mind. And now you got a lawsuit. Now you got a lawsuit, and the new coach, who's an idiot too, apparently, says, well, you know, you guys that are complaining about it, you should leave. What? You should leave? Listen to this. Their charges have not been filed, but they still can. This one kid alleges in a lawsuit he was pulled into a hotel room. Other players, some young women, were in the room. Uh, He was told to pull your blank out. At that point, the guy claims that this other couple guys levied threats and grabbed his sack. It was not painful, but it was humiliating. Why are guys grabbing sack? I understand the flick. But why why are we grabbing sack? They made him, forced him to spin around, do squats, and grabbed his ass. Then they filmed people in the shower. What are you doing? Like, what's going on? It's a 28-page lawsuit. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. When it was reported, the idiot athletic director, some guy named Taylor, says, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? I want you to fire the coach. I want you to file charges and get these guys in jail. Now, there's always two sides to a story, and we'll see what ends up happening here. But I got to tell you, every time I see these things, I say to myself, what in the hell are you doing? How in the hell is this a thing? Seriously. I don't want to stick this finger in anyone's you-know-what. This cell phone is for doing this, not for doing that on vibrate. I'm telling you, these dudes... I'm telling you, Jans, and these guys are nuts. They've always been nuts. They're insane. They're uh, they're just 
whatever. Whatever. I, I can't even get into it because it's alleged. Everything's alleged, so there you go. Uh, here's a shocker. Remember Sam Britton? One of the cross-dressers or whatever the hell, transvestites, uh, transgender, diversity hires of the Biden administration who stole. There he is, she, whatever the hell, he, you know, he, she is, who decided it was okay to go steal people's luggage. Well, this clown is undergoing mental health evaluation. Really? I'm shocked by it. Who would have thought it? I can't believe that this person, guy, standing up there has a mental health issue. Maybe they don't. Maybe they don't. Maybe this is just what we're supposed to do. Maybe this is how we're supposed to be. Sam Britton to undergo medical health evaluation after stealing luggage. That's right. Stealing luggage and walking out. But hey, Vera Bradley, baby, if you're going to be a whatever this person considers themselves, then go steal the good stuff. And by all accounts, the good stuff is Vera Bradley off of a airplane conveyor belt getting your luggage. So you're sitting there, you have a trip, you're in Minneapolis, which is miserable to begin with. And next thing you know, you got your luggage stole by that. Whatever that is, that would piss you off. If that wouldn't piss you off, I don't know what would. A clown. And of course that clown uh, acted all indignant when he, she, whatever, was in some kind of job that the Biden administration's diversity team, DEI team, decided this idiot should have. Along with Pete Buttigieg, along with Kamala Harris and all the other diversity hires. What are we doing? Can we just get people? Do we have to have lunatics? Do we have to check every box every time? Can we just get the... Jack Brewer should be in someone's cabinet. There you go. Put Jack Brewer in somebody's cabinet. There you go. That We'll be right back. Dylan Mulvaney is making an absolute killing by being a trans woman. Good for her. If that's the idea of life... Good for her. Never been driven by money. Good for Dylan Mulvaney. Yeah. She put the Frank inside the beans. Boy, the YouTube chat. I got to get there. I went away for a minute, and now it's completely out of control. It's out of control. Takes balls to be Dylan Mulvaney. (laughs) Oh, we'll be right back. That's it. I got to take a break. We'll be right back with more on Don't At Me across the Outkick Network. There's some old G's on this show, YG's, young G's is what Allison Williams is on this show. <laughs> she, she, one of the original guests that we've had, we haven't had her on in a while, and that is completely our fault because minute. she is always interesting. I know it. There's so much going on with women. I am conti- continuing a crusade of why are women being marginalized? The latest is Riley Gaines, who's been on our show three or four times, and I love that woman. She has so much toughness and intestinal fortitude. And Dylan Mulvaney, let's go to Riley Gaines first. You know, no one's covering it. 
No, if women are afraid to speak out, I saw Sage did. I saw that Sam did ponder. That's good. Mm -hmm. But damn, people should be outraged at a woman speaking on women being physically attacked. Why? Why are not more people speaking out? Because they're scared. It's this same narrative that's been perpetuated for the last three years. If you go against this mob, this mentality, then you are labeled all sorts of bad things that you don't want to be. You're a racist, you're a conspiracy theorist, you're uh, transphobic, you're homophobic, you're a white supremacist. Anything that you do that goes against the left, you are automatically slapped with every label that you can imagine and, and your character is questioned. And, and it's sad because I think so many people feel the way Sage does, feel the way Sam does, but they won't say a word because they know that they will get blasted. But at some point you have to ask yourself, well, what am I willing to risk and what's on the line here? Because as, as a woman, as someone who is raising a, uh, a, a young girl, like there is a serious consequences to our silence at this point. And they are pushing women out of women's spaces. It's insane, Dan. I, I went to University of Miami. I was a women's studies major. We learned about gender dysphoria. We focused on gender studies. We focused on on um, on, on sexuality and, and transgenderism and all this stuff. And I feel like I was sympathetic to those people who, who were struggling or going through or dealing with uh, confusion in that realm. I understand that's not a place that we want anyone to be, but there are people who deal with that. That doesn't mean you forego everything we have ever fought for when it comes to women's athletics and women's sports and carving out a space to compete fairly. Inclusivity should not trump fairness when it comes to sports. I understand we want to be sympathetic to these people. That is fine. That does not have to come at the cost of women's athletics. And I think it's a really, really sad place that people who are standing up for women in sports who used to be championed and celebrated, like this was the this was the side you wanted to be on. Now, if you're saying these same things, you're a bigot. And, and, and here's the thing, Dan. I don't know how anyone can honestly argue that there should be women's sports if you argue that trans women can compete in them. Because what you are theoretically saying then is that there's no difference between men and women. And if you're going to say that trans women can compete fairly, and I'm saying fairly, with women. So if you just want to be inclusive and say, we don't care, records don't mean anything, you know, everybody's fine, we can all just compete on the same level. Well, then eliminate separation for men's and women's sports and combine them all. Because that's what you're saying. You're saying there's no difference. It's fair. It's all an even playing field. And if that's what we want, then, uh, then eliminate women's sports entirely. Have swimming, have track and field, have basketball, and be done with it. And no more men's and women's sports, because otherwise you are you are completely uh, contradicting every argument that we have made and fought for, for women to have a space to compete fairly if you allow biological men to compete. Does this make any sense to you, Allison? Like I've said this, people say, all right, you complain and give me a solution. OK, I'll give you a solution. You're born a woman. You're transitioning to a man. You play as a woman. You're born a man. You're transitioning to a woman. You play as a man. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, to me, uh, I, and I don't know that that's fair to women either. You know what I mean? Like, I, I, or I think everybody should, I just don't understand why everybody that transitioned plays as a woman. You understand what I'm saying? Everybody right. yes. plays yes. as a and woman. And that's, that's the problem. We're not seeing this being an issue in men's sports. And so you need to ask yourself why. Why aren't we seeing, you know, women who are, who are born 
women at birth who transition to men, why aren't we seeing them dominate men's sports and take over men's records and, and going into men's locker rooms and, and having this problem? We're not. This has become a women's issue. And I think there's something, you know, in our nature as women, the first thing we want to be is nurturing, right? We want to take care of and we want to be supportive. I think that's kind of a instinctual female attribute. And, and it, it goes against that for us to exclude someone, right? Like we are nurturers, we are caregivers. And so I think there is this like primal, well, I, I don't want to hurt this person. I don't want to be mean to this person. Sometimes you have to be a little bit of a mama bear and you got to stand up for your pack. And, and that's what I think you're tapping into with the women who are starting to speak out. Like, no, 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 we were supportive of this movement. This made sense for us. We wanted equality, but not at the expense uh, of our own integrity. And that's what's happening. And you're right. It's not an issue in men's sports. And again, ask yourself why, you know, why is that? Because there are significant physiological advantages to being male and competing. And we have to stop acting like that isn't a thing. And, and maybe that's, that's a side of effect of, of the success we've had in women's rights is we've worked so hard for equality. Like we want to be the same. We want to be treated the same. We want to we want to prove that we can do the same things as men. And so we got that into our brains. We're the same, we're the same, we're the same. So then when a man actually a man actually comes and tries to compete at this level with us, well, then we realize, wait, no, we're not the same. And that's okay. Like that, that needs to be celebrated, I think, a bit more on the women's side. Like we need to embrace what makes us different and special because it is such a beautiful, amazing thing. Um, but when we fought for so many years to be treated the same, now we're realizing like there are problems with that. And, and it, it's time for women across the world to raise up a little bit on this. What, what, where, what do you, th I know you don't have the answer to this. I don't have the answer to this, but I try to look a little bit ahead. Where, where do you think we're going to be with the Olympics? That's a great question. I was actually thinking about that last night. Um, what are we going to do when, you know, these, these people continue to dominate women's sports and when you go and you turn on the Olympics, an entire track and field team from a country is all biological men competing as women. Or, you know, a country fields an, an entire basketball team. That's all. But like what? You have like maybe one woman and four trans women starting five. Right. Like, is that fair? I mean, I mean, at some point you just have to ask yourself, what's more important, inclusivity or fairness? Because those two things are coming to a head. And like you said, I don't know the answer either. Maybe there's a trans sports league, like go start yours. I mean, women did it like go carve out a niche for trans athletes and whatever you identify on, it's a free for all. And that's fine. And you have your own records and your own competition. Um, because what you're doing right now is coming at the expense of women. And, and that's, that's just, it's not right. I haven't asked you this. This is our first time really talking and it's going to be on air. So I'll, I'll just ask, what did you thought? What were your thoughts or what are your thoughts with Dylan Mulvaney and representing Tampax, uh, beer, come on, I mean, sports bras. What, what, what are your thoughts on this? It's insulting, Dan. It's just insulting. If you think putting on lipstick and curls in your hair and prancing around in a headband and a dress makes you a woman, you have no idea. I'm sorry, Dylan Mulvaney. <laughs> what, what female experience do you relate to me with? Like, honestly, you ever worried about going out one night and, being forced into a sexual encounter unit one and wondering, like, what's this guy going to do? Am I safe in this space? Have you ever woken up and wondered, like, shit, did I get pregnant last night? Like, like what female experience, other than getting dressed up and trying to look pretty and, like, prancing around, what female experience do you relate with? Do you know what it's like to, like, be in a meeting and all of a sudden get your period? Do you know what it's like to compete in a sporting event wondering if you're going to bleed through your pants? Like, honestly, Dylan, what, 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 what makes you a woman? 
what gives you the right to occupy this space and to make it like it's he, 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 she, whatever. She's making a joke of what a woman is. Like she's not even trying to meet a woman. It's like, she's this little girl, like infantilizing this fantasy world and, and we're applauding it. Like the Tampax thing to me is, is beyond offensive. You can't find a woman who actually (laughs) has a period and a use for tampons to represent your brand better this and Nike really like you think she knows what is necessary and important and, and good in a sports bar or even freaking leggings. Like, do you have cellulite Dylan that you're trying to cover up or do you have like loose skin from bearing multiple children or one child or like getting pregnant? Like, like what do you experience and, and what is a brand do you think she has experienced that your customers can relate to and say, yes, this person needs this. So I would like to use this as well. Again, it's, the Dylan Mulvaney thing to me is like, it's insulting and it's belittling and it's, it's demeaning to women and like Bud Light be better. I mean, honestly, on a lot of levels, you're kind of a shitty beer, but I do drink you occasionally on a boat in the summer back in Michigan, but like be better, be better as a brand, be better as a beer. And the apology, like, is that even an apology? Like that they put, like, that was the most non-apology apology because again, everybody is so, afraid of uh being labeled you know these things and these awful words but like at some point i mean just like this was this was a bad bad move especially with the base that bud light has um you're ostracizing such a small people for like a fringe minority like why do we keep doing that like why are we why are we as companies as people as a culture placating to this fringe group i don't understand it doesn't, it doesn't make any sense to me. People are really dumb, I believe, when they talk about Dylan Mulvaney. I got a guy here, Rick uh, Bungle says, I think the promotion is bizarre, but generally think people should live how they please. No one's saying that mm-hmm. Dylan Mulvaney shouldn't live how, she's pl- how they please. Who gives a rats about that? Don't care about that. 100%. But don't insult women. Don't take away opportunities from women. That's, and don't make fun of women which is all right. this is to and you said it very eloquently. Yeah. And it, it's frustrating. Um, it's frustrating because I think what people are missing here is like, what is the infatuation with Dylan Mulvaney? Honestly. I mean, so 365 days a girl and he, she lives in this like fantasy world. I, I don't understand the infatuation with her. I think it's reflective of some serious issues we have again, as, as a country and as a culture and, and why are these are celebrities? I mean, you could say that for a lot of people across the board that are famous, but like, why are we so infatuated with this? And, and I read an interesting post, um, that I I thought brought up an interesting point with Dylan Mulvaney. And I'm going to go there without totally going there because I don't agree with it 100%, but it kind of makes you think he is pretending to be a little girl, right? Like there, like there is a youth aspect. I think he even says that he's like 13 or something weird like that. If you are a person that's attracted to a Dylan Mulvaney type, what are you there for being attracted to? A young girl. That's problematic. That is a grown man pretending he is a young girl. And if we are saying he can be that, where does that put us when it comes to pedophilia? And where does it put us when people are attracted to young girls that are grown men? that is problem or young boys then like that is the slippery slope that we are opening this door to because if Dylan Mulvaney can be a little girl and Dylan Mulvaney can consent to certain things, this puts in the mind of people. Well, these people 
can consent as well. And and that's that's scary, man. We I don't know. It it freak it freaks me out. A lot of people haven't paid attention to this because they argue with me, but I have. And, and, you know, the whole idea, to your point, of drag shows in schools or drag shows in front of kids, I always say this. What kind of person, guy, wakes up and says, you know what, I'm going to put on a fake rack, a G-string, hair, makeup, and I'm going to go twerk in front of children? Like, what kind of human being does that? Like, and teach them how to tuck bucks in my crotch. Like, just think about the, the mm-hmm. dynamic of your brain when you wake up on a Saturday or a Thursday or a Monday morning and say, this is what I'm all about. That's pedophilia to me. It just is. Yeah, I mean, and look at the stuff that came out with Leah Thomas and the the weird, like, sexual fantasies that that she has regarding representing as a woman and what's a genophilia or something um is the term for it yeah the drag show thing to me is very is very frustrating with children because i think there's a lot of level-headed good parents who think they're doing the right thing and i'm like stop like just stop so let me ask you this question (laughs) let's say dan i was planning your upcoming birthday party it was your birthday in like august right you yeah. know, August birthday. Okay. So let's say I'm planning your birthday Very in nice. August. You're Very gonna, good. Yeah. You're going to be 50 some years old. Let's go with that number. Okay. And what if I said to everybody, I'm going to hire um, a kid's clown to come and perform at Dan's birthday. And they're going to do face painting and balloon animals. And isn't that so cool? Isn't that a great idea? If I pulled your viewers, how many of them do you think would be like, yeah, that's a great idea. Let's get a clown for Dan's birthday. He would really enjoy that. Him and all of his 50 plus friends. Great idea, right? No. That's a terrible idea. Like, that's a waste of money. That is a bad idea. It is not age-appropriate entertainment. Reverse it, okay? If I'm going to throw a a birthday party for my four-year-old in July, and I say, I'm going to bring a drag queen, is that a good idea? No, it's not age-appropriate entertainment. You bring the clown to the kid's birthday, you bring the drag queen to the adult birthday. Problem solved. Because <laughs> guess what? When you bring a drag queen to a child's birthday or to a child's brunch or to a family-friendly function, that's freaking confusing. You've been to a drag show, it's a little, like, it's sexually explicit. It is It is a little bit confusing even as an adult. I can remember being at one of my bachelorette parties and being like, really? Like, that's a man? Like, wow. Wow. You know, like it's, they're entertaining as shit. Great. Go have fun. Enjoy it. If you're 25 years old, 18 years old, don't bring your four-year-old to it. It's not age appropriate. Why is that so hard to say? And like get in people's minds. I don't know. Bring the clown to the kid's uh, birthday. Bring the drag you. queen to the fifth-year-olds. Done. <laughs> you know, common sense, not so common this year. I don't think Lee, I had a 60th birthday party here at my house. I don't think Lee even asked if I wanted to a drag queen there. I, you know, I would have said, no, it's not my thing. I'm not into that. But, you know, I mean, some would. What, what could I say? But honest to God, you know, one of the things that one of the things that is interesting to me about this is it's just simple common sense. That's right. all it is. It's just common. And we're trying to, I get, you mentioned it, trying to cater to a fringe group where because of catering to a fringe group, common sense just goes out the door. It's just out the window. Right. That's it. It's right. gone. It's gone. Yeah. And the, the argument is never, is, sorry, the argument, if you notice, it's never 
the, the argument is never against the argument, like the, the facts or like the stream of consciousness that comes out of my mouth sometimes, right? Like people don't ever argue that. They argue against the person. That's what they attack. Right. They don't say, this is why you're wrong. This is why, you know, you need to think differently. They just attack you. They just attack the person saying it. And that's when you know somebody has lost. Like when you can no longer argue the merits of the point they're making and you just want to attack them as a person, that's when you know like they've, they've reached their final straw because they're kind of throwing their hands in their air. I'm not letting you out of here without a football question because here in the great city of Indianapolis, we are in an interesting spot with the number four pick, which means assuming that C.J. Stroud, assuming that Bryce Young is going to be gone, did you have a chance to see much of Anthony Richardson or Will Levis? I saw Anthony Richardson early in his career. I never saw Will Levis. Um, I was really impressed with Richardson early. Um, I did not see him, you know, in the last year or two. Uh, but early, but I mean, he's, he was so young. He was like a freshman, but he had, he had a special dynamic talent, right? Like that, you know, that ability to make plays that otherwise would have broken down. Um, but he was still really, really raw when I saw him. So it, it's been a minute. The draft this year is going to be, it's going to be interesting. Do you like Young? Do you like Stroud? I like Stroud a lot. I do. Um, and I like Bryce Young as well. To me, you know, Young, it kind of reminds me a little bit like Jalen. Like people didn't really know what he had. Like he was successful in college. How would it translate? Um, I know there's some question marks with him, but I do. I like both of them a lot. Um, I, I like CJ a little bit more. I think he just has a little more tools in his box, um, more that he can do right now at a high level. But I think long-term Bryce will pan out really well. Um, I mean, I, I just... I think the way we evaluate quarterbacks is changing, right? And the other great thing you have to think about too is because of the change in the quarterback position and what we're asking of them to do in these offenses in the mobility factor, right? Like now you need a backup in your system. Not that those guys would be backups, but the thing to think about too is like now you need a backup in your system that can run the same offense that your starter can. And that's what's going to be interesting with drafts going forward. So if you have a Jalen Hurts now as a starter in Philly, like who are you drafting as a backup? And that's where some of these guys um, that you know might not be these first day guys are really going to be drafted high because you can't have a completely different skill set at quarterback anymore. And that's kind of what we're seeing with the difference um, in, in what teams are utilizing at their starter position and how that's impacting the backups in the league. But um yeah. I do. I think both those guys can be starters, but I just think that's an interesting thing going forward with GMs as they put together their teams, especially at that quarterback position. I do too. And you, I think about Arizona, Kyler Murray, you know, their backup, mm -hmm. I think it was Colt McCoy. And that's totally, that's two totally, totally different, different skill sets. It's totally, two totally mm -hmm. different mindsets. I'm going to show you a tweet. Do you think that Nike would ever do this? This is Haley Caronia, who is our brilliant, brilliant social media director. She's on a campaign. Here's what she wants to do. What do you think? <laughs> I like the way Haley thinks. I've actually had that thought a few times. I'm like, do you think if I put on like a big fat belly <laughs> and like some blue, torn blue jeans or overalls and a cowboy hat and like a I don't know what else and start like strumming some country music yeah. about a tractor and drinking beers. Like I could get an endorsement or something. I mean, like just completely make a charade of myself. Yeah. I mean, like, let's do it. Let's go sell some jock straps. And, like Nike really, like, they're the company that, you know, Oh my gosh, I'm drawing a blank. Is it Allison Felix, the track star that she got pregnant and they dropped her yeah. essentially. 
I mean, like, this is not yeah. a company that has a good track record with women. And and then they go and throw money at Dylan Mulvaney. But yeah, let's, Haley, let's do it. Let's be jockstrap models, men. <laughs> I'm telling you, I mean, it makes sense. I mean, if, if Dylan Mulvaney is a bra model, Haley can be a jockstrap model. I mean, what the hell? Up is down and down is up in the world <laughs> we live in now. That's just yep. the way it is. Hey, enjoy the kids. One plus one does not equal two in the world of child or child rearing. <laughs> that is the true upside down world we live in. Yes, as parents, that is the one uh, truth that does not translate. <laughs> one plus one does not no, equal two. It no, equals four hundred and five. No, no, no. That's what I tell. I mean, I remember be. I remember where I was. When my brother, I think it told me that, he goes, look, understand this, one plus one does not equal two. It's a nope. whole lot more work. Thanks, A-Dubs. Thank you. Thanks, Double D. Good to that's see you as best. always. Take care. Yep. That's Allison Williams, our friend, one of the young Gs on this show. She was on, man, she might have been one of our first guests, first days as she was going through some stuff. Uh, we've got some awards to give out. We've got the damn awards the mountain. You remember the mountain? Remember the mountain from Game of Thrones? How big that dude was? Well, he was trying to do something that he really, really, really should not have done. Uh, we are going to show you some tweets on the lady that decided in her 50-mile ultra marathon that it was a good idea to hop in the car. I don't think it was. Somebody tried to hijack a pizza guy carjack a pizza guy. Now this makes me revert to eighth grade. We're at a buddy's house playing poker pizza. We ordered two of my buddies. I did not even know this. They went outside the back door, turned around, took his car and drove it down to the end of the street. I can still remember the guy coming in in a panic saying, my car's been stolen. I had no idea. I was just sitting there trying to win a hand. But anyway, the mountain. What? <laughs> All right. Uh, we'll be right back. We've got the damn awards. It's Thursday. What a show today. Thanks to Clay Travis for retweeting the show. Thanks for all of you for jumping on the YouTube chat. I'm going into the YouTube chat right now. I'm going to see what the hell is going on. And there better be praise for today's guests because today's guests have been freaking awesome. I'm telling you, awesome. Hey, Dan, the mountain has to be Serbian, doesn't he? Yeah, I think so. I, I, uh, I, I think so. Uh, Stan, I want to hear about your two brawls. I love hearing about a good brawl, whether it's on the YouTube chat or whether it's on the show. We'll be right back with the damn awards and stick around for woke dope It's going to be a good half hour coming up. We'll be right back. Got to take a short break here. We are rolling with Don't At Me and you don't want to miss it. Stay tuned. All right, people, Twitter, YouTube, I want you to listen up to this. This is interesting, very interesting. This is from Warren Sharp. I just saw this on Twitter, all right? And I got to pass this along because I'm sitting here with the number four pick in my city, which is going to be a quarterback, I assume, if they keep it. Warren Sharp put out the last 10 first-round quarterbacks drafted 
after number one overall. So from two on down in the first round. Listen to this group. Kenny Pickett, he's all right. Zach Wilson, bust. Trey Lance, bust. Fields, all right. Mac Jones, eh. Tua, eh. Justin Herbert, maybe a star. Jordan Love, Daniel Jones, Dwayne Haskins. I want to give you that list again. These are the last 10 quarterbacks drafted in the first round. Everybody says you got to use a first-round draft choice to get a quarterback. Well, maybe you do it, number one. Pickett, most teams would probably take. Zach Wilson's getting ready to have his career ended. Trey Lance has never gotten off. He's just never gotten off. Uh, he had a chance, got hurt, chance, got hurt. Now he's got a real chance, and they're looking to trade him. Justin Fields, I think, is going to be pretty good. Mac Jones is interesting. I think this year decides whether Mac Jones becomes a real guy or Mac Jones goes by the way of every other guy, uh, Trey Lance, or guys being shopped around. Tua Tungavailoa, he's talking about retirement. He's been okay. I don't think he's been great. I don't think he's been bad. I think he's been okay. Not another concussion. He might be done. Herbert, everybody says, is going to be a star. He hasn't won a playoff game. We'll see. Jordan Love, you can basically say Jordan Love and Trey Lance. Only difference is Jordan Love has not been given a team. Trey Lance was given a team. Daniel Jones, we'll see. Made the most of an opportunity last year. Parlayed that into a big deal. And God rest his soul, Dwayne Haskins. So a first-round quarterback is not exactly the gateway to guaranteed success for either the team or the quarterback. I thought that was pretty interesting. I did. I think that's pretty fascinating. So we'll see. I mean, obviously, there's one overall pick, and that looks like it's going to be Bryce Young, and then you're going to have C.J. Stroud, Will Levis. You're going to have Anthony Richardson. I mean, who knows? Who knows if any of them? I think people would take Kenny Pickett. I think Kenny Pickett showed enough. Now, is he going to be Mac Jones, or is he going to be Justin Herbert? I don't know. But we shall see what we shall see. But it is interesting. All right. You know the Game of Thrones, right? Game of Thrones, fantastic. I actually vowed at one point I wasn't going to watch it. My wife was watching it. Lee was watching it. And I'm like, yeah, I ain't watching it. Then I started watching it. There's a guy on there called The Mountain. Let's get a look at what The Mountain did trying, trying to bench 550 pounds. Now, ladies and gentlemen, caution. He tore his pec muscle. He tore his pec muscle. That's the mountain. He looks like a mountain. He absolutely looks like a mountain. Mountain pectornicus. <laughs> That's a big old dude, man. We got any more? Can we see the torn pec? Is there any torn pec like where it's out here? What's a pec? This? I don't have any pecs. Dockages, we don't have pec. Where it's purple. Where it, show me. Show me where it's purple. Right below his arm. I want Can we show the video again? My man tore his pec muscle. 550 pounds. Oh, you can tell he did it right there. See, and guys that are like the mountain, like he's not sitting there yelling and screaming and crying and moaning. He's not LeBron James needing to be carted off or 
Paul Pierce needed a wheelchair for a cramp. Are you kidding me? This is more like my man Barron, who got 75 stitches. I don't know if I told you about that, but I did for about 100 minutes earlier in the show or 100 times earlier in the show. That's like Barron getting 75 stitches in the face. And next thing you know, it's like, whoa. <laughs> Marathon runner says the hell with this. I'm done. I'm tired. I've had enough. It's over. I'm going to get in the car. I'm going to get in the car. That's Jennifer. That's our girl, Jen, Gritty Jen, who is the matron saint of the YouTube chat. But a marathon runner decided, you know what? I'm not doing 50 miles. I'm not doing this. I'm not playing. I am getting in a car, and I am saying to hell with this. I am saying, you know what? Uh, no, no, no. We've seen this before. We've seen marathon runners do some weird things, right? Rosie Ruiz. We've seen uh, marathon runners pooping in yards. We've seen marathon runners poop their pants. Hell, I ran and trained for a half marathon, and I got to tell you, I got to tell you, I had to leave many times off the treadmill and go do, you know. Anyway, a Scottish ultimate ultra, ultra marathon runner disqualified. She used a car during part of the marathon before taking home third place. She didn't even win. Joasina Zaksarisky, one of my Polish brothers, sisters, acknowledged that she made a massive error in accepting the trophy during the G. B Ultras Manchester to Liverpool 50-mile race on April 7th. She told the outlet, the BBC Scotland, she was feeling sore and was limp and she saw a friend on the side of the course who offered her a lift. The woman's 47 years old. She intended to ride to the next checkpoint to tell Marshall she was pulling out of the race. But after a two-and-a-half-mile car ride, uh, officials encouraged her to continue. When I got to the checkpoint, Told them I was pulling out and I'd been in a car and they said, you'll hate yourself if you stop. I agreed to carry on in a non-competitive way. I made sure I didn't overtake the runner in front when I saw her as I didn't want to interfere with the race. Well, that's all good. She got a medal. She got a trophy. Good for Zach Rakowski. Good for her. Saying she made a massive error. Should have handed it back. I was tired, jet lagged, sick. I hold my hands up. I should have handed them back and not had pictures done, but I was feeling unwell, spaced out, not thinking clearly. All right. Whatever you say, I don't know. But you were thinking clearly enough to finish the race. You should have just said, no, I'm not competitive. Hey, you got to watch this. Watch this pizza delivery guy. This pizza delivery guy is not messing around. This pizza delivery guy is not messing around even a little bit. Watch this. He's delivering a pizza. Minding his own business. Looks like some people are going to try to take his stuff. Now watch the pizzas. He goes out. He's not messing around. Somebody tries him. Trips one guy. Now they're going to try to jack him. Uh Uh-oh. 
and they don't get it done. He held on to his pizza. He took out a carjacker. These guys carjacked. He trips the guy with the pizzas. I'm sorry, I screwed that up. He wasn't fighting them. These guys had carjacked, these idiots, and they were running away. Watch this. He's got the pizzas in hand. You can see the runner. Here he comes, here he comes, here he comes, here he comes. Whap. Down goes Jacker. Pizza intact. Down goes Jacker. Good for him. Most guys would have ran in the house. This guy said, screw this. What's going on out here? I got pizzas. See, I'm a door dasher. I respect, yo. I respect the delivery service industry. I've been door dashing a couple weeks. But I'll tell you this. I'd be right there in the middle of the fray. But see, if you're door dashing, you got to have your red bag. And if you don't have your red bag, uh, Pizza King over here won't let you go. It was a year ago today, ladies and gentlemen, a year ago today that uh, Cincinnati Reds president, Phil Castellani, owner, or the son of owner Bob Castellani, taunted fans by asking, where are you going to go? Well, fans have answered. We ain't going to Great American Ballpark. They have had absolutely no attendance. They are not nearly as bad, ladies and gentlemen, as what the Detroit Tigers were yesterday or Tuesday afternoon, where I honestly believe 50 fans showed up. But here's a rule of thumb. There's two rules of thumb in being a coach or being an owner in a, in a front office. One, you don't ever taunt the fans. Never do you taunt fans because ultimately it's going to come and get you. And if this guy wasn't the son of the owner, this guy would have been fired a long, 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 long time ago. But he's the son of the owner. And as the son of the owner, he gets to say those things. But I got to tell you, every time you watch a game at Great American Ballpark, I think the average attendance there is about 15,000. And I think they're stretching it. Yesterday on a makeup game or Tuesday on a makeup game, I swear to you, in Detroit, there could not have been 200 people. They're going to say there was. I'm sure they go by ticket sales, whatever they want to go by. Good for you. You can't say 200 people. But that's what they had. The second rule of thumb in coaching is this. Never blame yourself for the loss. I did it. Don't do it. People are always going to blame you. Well, I didn't get the team ready. I didn't have us prepared. I didn't make an adjustment at halftime. They came out and we got punched in the face. We weren't ready. Ma, it's on me. Never do that. Don't ever do that. Everybody and their mother knows they're going to blame you as a coach. Don't do it yourself. It's coming. It's like when Bo Pelini was like nine and three and he was at Nebraska and people were complaining, which now obviously nine and three, you'd get a statue next to Bob Devaney and Tom Osborne at Nebraska. But at the time, Nebraska still thought they were something. So Bo Pelini goes out and he starts talking about, well, they can fire me if they want. Seth Greenberg and I were at ESPN. Something happened in a game. Seth, myself, had to sit on a set and fill for literally 90 minutes. And it got so long that we got into Bo Pelini and we said, Bo, they're going to give you your wish. They're going to fire you. Don't ever 
as a coach, bring that up. Don't ever, as a president of a organization, taunt your fans. Ever. I don't care if it's a UFC. I don't care if it's boxing, football, baseball, basketball, hockey. Don't ever taunt your fans. Ever. Back in the day, back in the day, there was a pitcher named Denny McClain. Denny McClain's the last pitcher to win 30 games in the big leagues. And Denny McClain would keep a case of Pepsi or Coke, I can't remember which one, in the trunk of his car and literally drank it all day. He would drink a case of Pepsi. Now, that's not like Dickie Knowles, former Cub, former Philly, who drank 72 beers a day. Check it out. You'll see that I'm right. Don't at me. But he did drink a case of soda, whether it was Coke or Diet or Pepsi. It wasn't Diet. A day. Well, in British Columbia, a woman captured photos and video. I think we have the video of a bear making a late night visit to her home and finding 69 cans of soda and drinking them. How about that? 69 cans. I don't think we do we have the video? I don't want to talk over if we have a video. All right, no video. Okay. 69 cans of soda, of pop. So here's the deal. Sharon Rozelle was walking, uh, said her dog woke her up around three in the morning. She looked outside to see a bear had shattered one of her car windows and was helping himself, herself, whatever itself, they say here, to cans of soda that she had purchased for work. She had purchased 72. She had purchased three cases of soda. The bear went through 69 of them. The bear seemed particularly interested, and this shows the bear has good taste in Orange Crush. Yeah. Orange Crush used to be my go-to. Orange Crush in a bottle for 10 cents at Meadows Apothecary was unbelievable. All right. So the bear goes through 69 of 72. The bear really liked Orange Crush, gave up after, after drinking Diet Coke, cola. Once you've had Orange Crush, once you've seen Paris and you drink something diet, you ain't having that. There's nobody having that. Who's having that? Nobody. So white leather, not great with Orange Crush, she said. Ripped leather, broken window roller, sticky residue everywhere. Said she is always careful not to leave food or trash in her car, but she had not expected that the cans of soda would smell enough to attract a bear. She said, I never thought bears could smell pop through a can. Kudos to her for saying pop, not soda. Kudos. By the way, for those of you that don't believe me about Dickie Knowles drinking 72 cans of beer or 72 beers a day, the math on it is a lot like, if you really think about it, Wilt Chamberlain, 21,000 women. The math doesn't really add up. 72 cans of beer a day is three beers per hour for the entire day. He worked, he slept. I don't know what to tell you. But the Chicago Tribune had an article about Dickie Knowles. Dan, where are the Don't At Me t-shirts? They're coming. I just bought a couple dozen. I did. I did. Dan. 
Should anyone be casting Illini's on anyone ever? What does that mean? What does that mean? I don't know what Illini's are. I don't know. I don't know. Abort, abort, abort. Abort. All right. Let's go woke and dope. What do we got woken and what do we got doping? Transgender teacher, oh, threatening to shoot some students days after seeing social media posts discussing her sexual orientation. Police remove three firearms and ammunition from her home. We're going to shoot people as a teacher, as a transgender. See, I would argue this, and tell me what you think. I would argue that the manifesto of the transgender shooter in Nashville should be made public so that we, the people of the United States, can get a better feel on these crazy people and their vigilante justice and their hatred towards people and their mental dysphoria and all the other things that are going on in these people's lives. I think we should have that released. I should, I think as a public safety issue, manifestos of this sort of killers should be made known so we know what in our communities to look for. Thank goodness, thank goodness, somebody stepped up when this transgender teacher acted like an idiot. There's a real transgender violence coming up here. There really is. And it is not towards transgender. It is by transgender folks. That's why it's important now, ladies and gentlemen, to get things like manifestos. Find out what's going on. That's why cops really, when you have mass shootings or mass murder, they want to take the person alive because then you can find out what makes people like that tick. But we all know, we all know, we all 100% know that our government, for whatever the reason, led by Jersey Joe, Jolton Joe, Sniffin' Joe, Jokin' Joe, is protecting these people. By the way, go to our YouTube chat and subscribe. Ring the bell so you get alerts. And of course, like the show. What are you doing? I got to promote that more. I always forget. Dan, the feds will never allow it. Yeah, you're right. You're right. I don't know who this is, but I just got an alert. Moon Bin of the K-pop group Astro has been found dead. All right. They don't know why he's dead. He's one of those guys that does this little heart thing and all that little stuff. Okay. But he was found dead. So I don't know who that is, but that's sad news. I don't like finding anybody dead. I disagree. My daughter is awesome. Uh, the people teaching our kids are terrible. My daughter is freaking great. Not good, great. At least that's what the reports from teachers and parents and administrators are. So I will stand up for teachers still, even though, like in every occupation, including this occupation, there are some bad people. Police, some bad people, but not all police are bad. Teaching bad, some bad people, but not all teachers are bad. We see the bad ones because the bad ones are so stupid, they do things like threaten to shoot kids like this idiot teacher did. What other woke-a-dope you got for me, big boy? 
Oh, man. We married as men and wife. Now we're renewing our vows as two women after I transitioned, and I cannot wait to marry or to wear a dress. Live your own life, baby. That's awesome. Good for you. I guess, you know, I guess if you married as man and wife, then the gal wanted to be with a man. Got to be a weird deal. Now, I don't know. Does transition mean you got rid of the pee-pee? Does transition mean uh, we got to get the strap on and we're just bumping fuzz? What are we doing here? What's our move here? I don't know. I'm very confused. I wish somebody would explain to me, explain to me transitioning. If you can explain that to me, then it would be interesting to me because I don't get it. I honestly don't get it. Does transitioning mean I am now, I have breasts? Like I thought Caitlyn Jenner was getting rid of the pee-pee. But then I saw yesterday on Tommy's show that Caitlyn Jenner is not getting rid of the pee-pee. Caitlyn Jenner has said, look, I'm not a biological female. So I can't speak on some of these things. I thought it was interesting because I thought at some point, Caitlyn Jenner, who is the most famous of all the transitioners, was getting rid of the pee-pee. Apparently, there's no getting rid of the pee-pee. All right. All right. Well, the truth of the matter is, uh, yeah, I don't get it. I, I don't, I don't, I don't understand it. So anyway, I don't know what to tell you, but tell me what it is and I'll get after it. We got a hullabaloo going on between Brady Quinn and Ryan Clark. Uh, Ryan Clark and, and is, is all over, is all over Brady Quinn. Ryan Clark is saying, Brady Quinn, this is an example of analysts like Brady Quinn telling stories of zero value to diminish a man's character while validating their own instead of dissecting film or speaking to coaches and adult men stooped to gossip while analyzing. It's an immature evaluation of football integrity. All right. There we go. Yeah. There we go. When Ryan Clark comes after you, yeah, no. Yep, 200 likes and I'll twerk. I ain't afraid of twerking. I ain't afraid of twerking at all. Not even a little bit. All right. Uh, Today, the Cubs play the Dodgers. I want to give you a bet or two. You ready? Because game two, we had a big night last night, and I'm starting to feel bad about not sharing our bets. I am. Tonight, Golden State is minus five and a half against Sacramento, and Philadelphia is minus four and a half. I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to take Brooklyn in the points. I'm going to take Brooklyn and the points. You're right, Otter Creek. I'm going to. I'm going to take Brooklyn in the points, and I'm going to combine it by taking Golden State given the points. Or, ladies and gentlemen, I may, I may just take Golden State money line and Brooklyn getting the points. Because what I'm trying to create here is plus money. Yesterday... I happened, I happened to be watching the Cubs game, and it was one-to-one, and it just had a feel that the Cubs were going to win the game. It just did. So it was, and Vegas felt it. 
So there was a runner on. I'm watching. I paid $180 to win $100, but I didn't care. I don't like doing that. Cubs won 12 to 2. I really don't like doing that. So what my new gambling strategy is, is I'm trying to get myself the best advantage in plus money. The minus six, it's now moved to minus six. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to take the Nets plus four and a half and Golden State just to win. That gives me $170 back on a $100 bet. So I get $270 back. I get my $100 plus I get the $170. I think Golden State's going to win. I think Golden State will probably win by more than five and a half. I may do that later on. The question is Brooklyn. The question, though, could get answered this way. Here's how I see things. Brooklyn has young guys that are up and coming. They don't have these miserable blanks. Mikel Bridges is a young, tough guy that's making a name for himself. And they were good enough, good enough, on the road to take a lead at halftime against the 76ers. The 76ers have guys that have never really shown playoff medal. James Harden, not so much. Embiid, not so much. So I think it's pretty good value to take the four and a half. I do. I think it's pretty good value. I also think this, even without Draymond Green, and Draymond Green being out, I think really cost Golden State, and not necessarily that Golden State would have won with him, but when Draymond Green got kicked out the other night, Golden State ends up losing. But what was happening in the game was there was momentum on Golden State's side. And Golden State, because of Draymond Green, lost that momentum, and the Kings were able to regroup. They talked about it after the game. Those conversations are important if you're going to gamble. So my way of looking at it is this. All right, yes, no Draymond. That's good for us. That keeps the number down a little bit. Minus 240 is the number. You got to bet 240 to win 100 bucks. Fine, I'll take that with a parlay. Dangerous parlay. And maybe I'm completely wrong, but I feel like the Nets are going to be all right tonight. So take the Nets, take the four and a half, and then take Golden State just to win, and you get plus 170. It's a pretty good number. Because I think one of the two is an automatic. I do. I think Golden State winning is an automatic. And when you do a parlay like this, when you get plus money, it's not bad to have the home team getting points and one you feel like is an automatic. That's just me. That's my new betting style. And this particular year, when I started it after the first of the year, I'm up about four grand, as opposed to last year, the entire year, when I lost about five grand. So I'm trying to make a comeback. That's what I got. A fantastic show today. Allison Williams knocked it out of the park. Brewer was terrific. I mean, let's just be honest. The guests that we have today, that's what makes our show fantastic. Our show's fantastic because it's like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. We'll talk about anything. Jack Brewer, he came on and was terrific on all accounts. And, of course, Allison Williams was terrific. Yeah, people tell me to stick to sports. All right, fine. But the truth of the matter is we never will because we, ladies and gentlemen, at OutKick have, well, we just had the second best month in the history of OutKick. We grew more than any like sites in sports. We grew like 7,000%, something crazy, and you all have made it happen. Our YouTube show is growing exponentially. 
Apparently, YouTube's where it's at. Apparently, you guys that show up every day on the YouTube show, I can't thank you enough. And you guys entertain yourself. In fact, it's more of a friend's meeting and gathering place than it is to listen to the show. I'm just a bit contributor. And the knuckleheads we have in there are reminiscent of our guy Howard Stern and his Rat Pack, and it's awesome. We've got the president. We've got the moral voice. We've got the matron. We've got a bunch of folks in there that are trying to annoy me, and I like it. Of course, Dylan, fantastic as always. Aaron, great job. Kaylee and Haley and uh, Aaron and Gary and Clay and everybody involved. Davey, thank you all so much for everything that you are doing. Uh, We'll be back at it tomorrow, I guess, if it gets to 200 likes on the YouTube chat. I'll twerk. I ain't afraid. But before I twerk, you don't want me twerking right now because I got to go potty. Nobody needs to see a guy gotten to go potty, a 60-year-old man, twerking. No one wants to see that, number one. And two, nobody wants to see what happens when I go potty. Have a great afternoon. Go Cubs. See you.